Welcome to MLR Kickoff Episode 15 with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Coincidentally, Dan is unavailable right now, but he will join the show later with a segment for J- with James Walker, the director of rugby for the oncoming franchise in 2020, Atlanta MLR. But today, Pete, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well, and it's great to um, have Aaron here to help me get through this uh this segment it's been a bit of a crazy week i've i've been traveling um aaron i think you're going hunting yes that will you're be doing? in um, the woods I, yeah and um i'm i'm going skiing and and dan's off you know doing other things so trying to trying to get the schedule together was uh was was really tough but you know we we start as always with our travel tip of the week and aaron i'll share with one with you which is um Sometimes when you buy flights at the last minute, you don't always get the best seats. And so you find yourself, you know, speaking of somebody flies a lot, like if I'm in the back of the plane, that's not a good thing. And so what you need to do is you need to keep checking on your app, on your phone when seats get moved, because people in the front are the ones that get upgraded. So if they're in the front, if you check like an hour before your flight leaves, there are some really great seats that open up and and you can grab them then. So that's my... That's my tip of the week, Aaron. I know you do some traveling. I know Dan does some traveling. I, I probably travel more than anyone. And so where I, I sit I think you're different. platinum on your uh, flight status. Oh, I'm, um, I am, I'm already 1K on United this year, and I am at 93,000 miles on American, and I'm going to get to 100,000, just about. I don't think I need a mileage run. Last year, I took a flight from Denver to Miami and back. I had about three hours in um, in uh, um, in Miami. Left the airport, got a really Cuban pastry, um, went to um, Little Havana, and then and then flew back just to make sure I could get that status. So I'm a little nuts. But we've we've had. A, I mean, it's 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 been. I feel like um, uh, I have posted on on Twitter that I felt like um, the autumn internationals were like a thanksgiving meal i just kept eating and eating and eating uh, and i felt a little guilty about it because i wasn't spending time with my family you know while i was watching the rugby um but man what a what a great um series of autumn autumn internationals um, yeah. what was your favorite what was your favorite game of- favorite game uh it's hard to take a look at a the eagles tour but just it's got to be Ireland beating the All Blacks at home for the first time in what was it, 110 years or something? Ever, like they always say, the first time in a it's ever. They've never beaten them at home. That certainly was that certainly was a big win. Um, I loved watching the U.S. women um, pull it together against Ireland at the end of the tour. Rob Kane and his staff did a great job, and they uh, they played some good stuff. But the biggest upset for me was the uh, Fiji France game, the last game of the Autumn Internationals. Um, on the men's side, and what a what a game that was. Fiji dominated that game, absolutely dominated. So, but you know, the big game for us, obviously, last you know the last two weekends because we haven't been on for two weeks was um, the U.S. game against Romania, where we really blew them out. I mean, it was it was a really dominant performance, and then um, what ended up being a big loss against Ireland um, in that final game at the Aviva Stadium. Um, who were the players that really stood out for you, Aaron? Who were the MLR players that stood out over those two? The the MLR players you got you gotta look at, I think, highlighting 
going forward for this year has to really be the stars for me were were Hanko Hamashice and Ryan Matias and what they were able to do over this tour. And, you know, we, we sort of know what Hanko can do, but I, I think he's at the stage and he's so young in his career that he just continues to raise his level. And I know that he's with a team uh, for MLR this year, but it it's going to be a wonder if they're going to be able to keep him after this season. Yeah. You know, I thought, I thought Ryan Matias had a great tour. I, I think he, he really stepped up. I, you know, his, um, it'll be interesting to see if he plays um, in the centers or in the wing um, <clears throat> when we're coming up to this season. For Hanko, you know, it was interesting watching him play in the Island game. I thought that he, uh, um, he got found out a little bit and he gets found out because he's a little too high in contact, probably about six inches. And in the major league rugby level, he can get away with that. And you can also see that, like, it's not, sh- it's not clear to me if he's a seven or if he's a six, um, like I'm less concerned about his size. I know when he was an age grade player, they played him at hooker because they thought maybe he wasn't tall enough. I'm less concerned about that, but he has to be able to get his body height a little bit lower. I mean, he's young, right? So that's a huge learning going up against those Irish teams. It's probably the best team he's ever played against. It's going to be, I, you know, you and I, I think, believe he needs to go overseas. Like he can be a dominant player in major league rugby, but for him to fulfill his potential, he needs to go somewhere where he has to work to be dominant. And I think yeah. that's I, I don't think that's in Major League Rugby. In the, in, in I, I look at where he's at because he's only t- 22. Uh, he's got to be put in a position where he has to earn it every day, I, I think, because right now he's just so much better than who he's going to be competing against in Major League Rugby, whereas he needs to go up against like players uh, so that he can improve. Right. So, you know, so other, other players that I thought really stood out is, you know, um, Will McGee got a lot of time at fly half that I think was really good for him. And, um, you know, it's great to see us having some real depth. You know, we didn't have AJ McGinty for the whole tour. And, you know, I've got a feel for um, AJ not getting the chance to play against Ireland. Um, there was a number of articles out there about it. I think, I think that, you know, it, it may be his only chance to do that. Um, but he is really a world-class player. I mean, he's really turning into a great player. In fact, if he hadn't played for the U.S., I think he would have lined up at fly half against the U.S. in that game. Like, I think he was he's probably like the second or third Irish, like Irish-born player, right? Or Irish yeah, potentially I, qualified player. I, this is, I mean, when it, when it comes to that, it's like you, you some, other, some other journalists uh, have written extensively about the development of A.J. McGinty and I, uh, Aj McGinty, and I sort of agree with that. If he never came to the United States, it's hard to know if he would have Oh, if he never comes to the U.S., he would never be the player that he is, right? So just like in all other sports, if you're a late developer, you get missed out. And so a lot of those players um, that are, are the uh, um, that are, um, you know, in particular Irish players, right, they end up coming over to the U.S. and they go to school here, and then they become qualified. A lot of those guys, it's not that they're not good enough by the time they're 25 or 26. It's the fact they weren't good enough when they were 20. And so if you're a late developer in pro sports, you get you get left, left out. And I think we'll see that more and more. And I think there's there'll, there'll be a benefit to the U.S. Even with the new eligibility qualifications that have gone to five years, you'll see players coming over here that will develop from the age of, you know, come over here for university and they'll develop. And then they'll get into Major League Rugby. And if, you know, they play a couple of years of Major League Rugby. They've got their five years of residence. And they will be great players 
and they would have been great players, but there's no avenue for that. Like pretty much in in almost all of the um, uh, European and uh, um, you know Southern Hemisphere professional rugby leagues, you go two steps down, and you're not a professional rugby player. Yeah. You go one and a half down in uh, um, in England, you're not. You go yeah. one and a half down in Ireland, you're not. So there's not a lot of pathway for those players. And there's a lot of Southern Hemisphere players and Pacific Islanders that can fill those second divisions for less money. I mean, all of that stuff is uh, is, is interesting. I thought, you know, I mean, a great year for the U.S., nine and one in tests. Um, you know, Gary Gold um, is doing a really, really good job. Um, if I'm Italy, I'm getting concerned, right? Um, you know, and uh, I think the opportunity to uh, um, uh, to have, you know, Italy and Tonga come away with two wins, that would be a, a huge step forward for the U.S. But Italy is not in our pool. They're not? I thought Italy were in our pool. Who's uh, in our pool? It's uh, England, France, Argentina. And Argentina, that's who I meant. If, I meant Argentina. If, I mean, if I'm... If I'm Argentina right now, I'm uh, even though you know they brought in uh, a new coach who was I think is it's Ledesma, right? Yeah. Who was coaching the Jaguars? I mean, they, there was some improvement during the rugby championship, but then there was some regression during the the autumn tour. So, yeah, absolutely. So, so I think like exciting times for the U.S. and I think a full slate of major league rugby where these players are playing, you know, 16 games week in, week out. It's going to prepare them for the summer. And I think we're going to have the best U S um, prepared team going to the world cup next year. And that is really exciting. Definitely. Uh, Cause it looks like with what is rumored to be our slate for our warmups with the ARC major league rugby players will play about 20 to 25 high level matches for our player pool going into the world cup, which will be the most ever for a warm-up campaign. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be just getting games has always been the hardest thing for the U S player. The U S players have athletically um, been equal to their counterparts in other countries. Technically it's been a challenge because if you're not tested on a week on week basis to have a high level skills, if you're not in that environment where you're training every day, You cannot get to that technical level. So, you know, we're going to see an impact in 2019, but we're going to see the real impact in in 2023. So, Aaron, lots of a number of interesting coaching changes going on here. Some news coming out of Houston. Yeah. So Neil Kelly, who has been a a rugby league guy for a long part of his career, uh, even was the Wales rugby league head coach a long time ago. But he does have a union background like a lot of defense coaches, of course, a rugby league guy, but he, he coached at Ulster, Doncaster, and then internationally with Namibia and most recently with Romania. So lots of, lots of good experience and another person with an Ulster background, right? So um, they've got Justin Fitzpatrick there who, who played for Ulster um, and they've got Paul Emmerich who played for Ulster. So lots of lots of Ulster experience. But I think this is what we're going to see, and it's just going to improve the level of the play. There's always some specialization. You need a coach that's focused on defense. Rugby league defenses are really what's been taken on um, board by Rugby Union because it's such a big part of league. 
um, because the set piece is so small. And it, it creates that confrontational defense that get, get up in your face, create two player tackles. If they, they're going to have a much more physical defense, um, bringing in a guy to lead background. And then another interesting uh, coach edition just came out today, hot off the press, um, is uh, Tiffany Faye, who, of yeah. course, uh, um, I, know, I know well. Played for you in the World played, Cup. Played for me, was my captain at the World Cup, has been um, coached New York this fall, has been coaching at Monroe College. And um, I think it's great that um, a team like Rooney is being progressive enough to find a good coach, regardless of their sex, and bring them in. James English would have worked with Tiffany extensively at Monroe College and at New York. And I am a huge believer in mixed coaching staffs when – I coached the uh, Mid-Atlantic men for about four or five years. I always had a female coach. I think um, they bring a different perspective. I think they bring some added value. And I think Tiffany's going to do a great job with that role. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, when you bring in a World Cup uh, athlete coming into your coaching staff and everything I've heard based on how MYRC season uh, work, basically working as the assistant head coach this year slash head coach going into some things for them in the WPL. It, it's, it's really interesting and intriguing hire. And it also gives them another set of eyes of a high level rugby player. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, my view is that uh, I think Aaron, you know, I've seen you post a little bit on, on online about sort of, the number of coaches that that maybe rugby teams should have. And I think that it, it, it really depends on, on how you're going to work as a staff. Um, I don't believe in, uh, and people will laugh, I don't believe in large coaching staffs. I always had a very large staff. I have medical staff, high-performance staff. But, but coaching, I think that you need to be connected. And I think that um, people should have multiple roles, especially in a full-time professional environment. I think that um, adding Tiffany will give um, the players another viewpoint it'll give another different voice that they can go to and i think she's going to add a lot i mean she's she's become a she had to become a um, late in her career a front row technician she was a number eight for many years and we converted her with the u.s into a loose head um, and then she went to the world cup as a tight head which was a big challenge for her um, but that means that you know she learned a lot about um, she had to be a real student of the front row, and I think that's where she'll be spending some of her time. Moving on, there were a few player additions over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and, you know, sticking with Rooney, uh, Alex McDonald, uh, he played at the Citadel and at Life, and most recently, I guess, Irish Connection, right? Trinity College. Well, I mean, there's a very strong Irish-American Irish connection at Trinity College. There's a great coach there called Tony Smith. He was in Washington for 10 years. He was the very first coach of the boys U19 team for the U.S. Um, he was also an assistant coach for a number of years for the U.S. He's really phenomenal. If you ever want to watch really good rugby, like ball in hand, fast moving pace, go to Trinity College. Trinity College is plays in the All-Ireland League. So even though it's a college team and it's almost entirely a college team. They might have a couple of players who recently graduated, but they're they're going up against men. So these are like eighteen to twenty-two year olds playing up against men in the All Island League. They've they they bounce a little bit between the Division One and Division Two, but they've been in Division One for a while, and they just play the most exciting rugby. So he's 
he's a great addition. I think Locke's been a position of challenge that um, has existed in Major League Rugby. So when they can bring people like um, uh, like McDonald on board, I think that's going to really help them. And I think the question has really been for Rooney, lots of great players, but where's their type five? And I think we'll start seeing more and more props and locks be uh, brought on board for Rooney. That's okay. I'd like to point out that was Aaron. So, um, so you know, lots of lots of other signings. We've seen a number of these Uruguayans be signed over the last couple of weeks. So, if you remember, um, the goal there was an agreement between Uruguay and Major League Rugby to get 15 of their players, and they had three players that went to the World Rugby Combine that have been signed in the last week or so. So they've got a uh, um, Houston have picked up two. So um, Diego Mango, who's a lock, and Alejandro Nieto, who's a number eight, will, um, they both were picked up by the World Rugby Combine. Joining who I think is the, like, the Uruguayan signing of the season is Santiago Arado, who I think is a phenomenal player. The assassin. The assassin. And, and so I think um, they've, they've picked up there. And then uh, Austin have also picked up um, Roger Silva. I can very experienced Uruguayan players. They've all got 50 caps. I think, I think it's going to be good to see those guys come in. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be uh, pretty intense. Uh, with some of the loose forward movements out of Houston, they bring in a flanker who has been in the NRC, Luke Beauchamp from Australia. Yeah, and, and this will be a really interesting – this will be a little bit like a level setter, right? It'll be interesting to see um, how Beauchamp does coming in to Major League Rugby. So if we look at the structure of rugby in Australia, you have Super Rugby, and then below that, you have the NRC. I think some people might equate the first year of Major League Rugby to an NRC level, right? Some people might might think think that's, that's what it's like, and this will help us understand where Major League Rugby fits relative to the second-tier competitions in those traditional rugby countries like the, um, like the NRC. And the, the final signing to highlight was Sean Riley, who played wing uh, with Pro Ohio, but he's been playing his rugby most recently in North Carolina and was identified at the Southern Pines Combine that NOLA held uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and there are still players out there. I mean, one of the challenges for Major League Rugby is that um, these guys are all paid um, in, in most cases, they're full-time pros for the season but it's not enough to move people. So you've got people in these pockets around the country, in particular in places like Northern California, where people are good enough, or in maybe in Chicago, who people are good enough to play Major League Rugby, but actually have jobs and have, might have families. And because there aren't teams there, they're not able to go. So over the next couple of years, as the salary cap raises, we'll see more players like Sean Riley who will become back into professional rugby in the U.S. as they're able to. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, pro sort of identified a, a core of rugby athlete that is able to play at that level. And as you said, I am in complete agreement that some of those levels as the salary cap raises or as they're able to find jobs that allow them to move, they'll move and, you know, we'll, that level that was provided then, they'll get better and then the league will get better overall. Absolutely. So a couple, before we get onto the kits, which I know is the, 
the big focus that you want you want to hold me to a fashion statement so before we get to the kits a couple more bits of news so one is a delay for houston in their stadium so um first rugby purpose-built stadium very exciting apparently they had 45 days of constant rain in houston that's pushed things back that means that the eagle test match that was going to be on february 23rd at their new stadium has now moved to austin um, and is now at Del, Del Diamond. So that's that's one bit of news. And another really exciting bit of news is the start of the, what they're calling the Cold War, which is the rivalry between Rooney in New York and the Free Jacks in New England. And they have their very first matchup um, at one o'clock. And it's at Union Point in Massachusetts. So get down there. It's free entry. Uh, Rooney has just started their pre uh, preseason. And for the Free Jacks, it's going to be the continuing um, part of their preparation for 2020 by playing some of these games. And they've got a pretty full schedule playing the Irish um, provincial A-sides in the spring. So should be an interesting matchup. See who's uh, who's grabbing which jersey for the three jacks this week. Yeah, they've, they've got a few players that I think are, are signed. Uh, of course, uh, Ty Gleader being the, the big one who was called into camp for the last week. So I think we'll see Ty Gleader uh, play a lot for for them. And I also think he will be playing in the ARC. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he's a real quality player. You've got to build your team around the spine. And um, I think fly half, is probably, fly half and hooker are probably the two areas where um, we just don't have enough quality players. All right, I think I've put this off long enough. <laughs> so we'll go through each one. Um, this is it, – it's mostly because you're English, just to let you know. So I'm a proud American, but don't don't let the accent fool you. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, so Austin. So Austin, Austin have had a radical change from last year, right? So they've really gone for something that's, that's very different. Um, so I think that – you know, the, the traditionalists will say not, not hot, right? And the, the uh, um, this strip, I think, I think, I think it's a cool strip. Um, I, I, I feel like it's one of these strips that's been designed for someone to wear on the sideline as much as it is for someone that's stepping on the field. Glendale. I think I, I like the Glendale strip. I, I, I like their colors. Um, I like the blue and the yellow. I, I think it's an improvement from last year. I didn't like the lines from um, from last year. I, so I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a, especially a fan of the uh, um, the hooped socks that they have um, for their uh, for their blue jersey. But uh, I, I think I think that I think that's a hot strip. I think the for me, the that home kit is the best of any design this season. Yeah. It, it's, that's the one with the, that's the blue one with the hoop jerseys. So, um, sorry, the hoop socks. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I like that one. Houston. You know, I'm, I'm disappointed that Houston got away from their hoops that they had last year. Cause I think that's a very traditional rugby, um, uh, uh, design. Um, I, I, I like, I like the colors. Um, I'm not a huge fan of their away strip, but I do like, um, sort of the uh, their home strip, which is which is all black except for a little bit of uh, yellow. So um, I would say hot on their home strip and, and not on their away strip. New York. 
Um, you know, I'm kind of split here because I, 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 I like their dark home strip. I, I think they're traditional. And so I, I like the fact that the New York have gone with, um, with traditional, uh, um, colors and, and traditional shapes. I, I like the orange. Um, but it doesn't really jump out at me. It's not a strip that I really want to buy. New Orleans. Um, I, I, I think this strip is cool. I mean, I don't know what it's going to look like in real life, but I think, I think, I think it could be, I think, I think this could be really cool. They've got a bit of a, a hoop on it, right. With some different textures. I think like they've really come out the gold pops a little bit more. I like the fact that their Jersey and socks are the same. Um, uh, not, not a huge fan of the all white strip as, um, someone who is, uh, um, clean strips, but, um, and, and, and hopefully there'll be more grass on their stadium this time. So it won't be such a big problem, but, uh, um, I actually like their strip. I think, I think, I, I think they've nailed that one. That's definitely hot. San Diego. So San Diego, I think, I think I, I, I like their home strip. I, I like the red, the away strip looks a little soccerish to me, a little bit more like, like it's all white. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, but I, you know, so I would say hot on the home strip, um, uh, not on the away strip. Seattle. Well, Seattle have been true, right? They're, they're pretty much true to what they had last year. I like their home strip the uh, with the hoops. Um, I like the different grays that they have. Their away strip looks a little messy to me. It's hard to see how that jersey is like. Is it black at the bottom and then it slowly gets gray? I, don't, I love the home strip, but not the away strip. It has the it has the skyline of Seattle in it, which is what I is like. the away strip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I stuff like that to me, like it's like one of those things that the designers look at it and they're like, oh yeah, this is a really good idea, but I'm, I'm it's never I've never seen that come off well. Toronto. So, Toronto looks like a soccer strip in the pictures. Like it's it, like it's very classic, and I think I think that's great. But there's not much about it that really says rugby. And I know that there are some people up in uh, Ontario who are a little bit disappointed that they've gotten away from the uh, traditional um, Ontario blues arrows colors. Um, so, you know, it's 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 interesting. It's you know I I, I I'm not a fan of it. it doesn't look, look like a rugby strip for me. Finally, Utah. Um, you know, Utah is interesting because they've, um, their home and away is basically just the reverse. Same socks, same shorts, but the jerseys are reverse. So not, not, not a huge amount of um, uh, design that's, that's put into it. I think it's okay, um, but it doesn't jump out at me at the, um, you know, anything that's, you know, that really stands out. It's something that I want. I think last season they had one of the cooler jerseys. Yeah, that with with the Warriors on the front, like the image of the Warriors. Yeah, like that. I think that was cool. And it did, you know, I guess they uh, they lost that for some reason. Um, I think that about rounds it up, Pete. I think it does. So, um, so first of all, with the strips, make sure you can pretty much get all of those strips. You that you can buy them online if you go to the website of your major league rugby team. 
um, you'll be able to go to the shop and you'll be able to get those in time for Christmas. And there's definitely some cool things out there. I don't, I would not rely on my view about what you should buy. Please go look. Um, and please uh, subscribe to us, whether it's on um, Stitcher or on iTunes, write a review. The more, more times you do that, the more um, we pop up in people's searches, the more people can hear about Major League Rugby. And so I want to thank um, our producer, Aaron Castro, for um, stepping in for Dan Power. Your Australian accent, you nailed it, Aaron, throughout the whole of this. And <laughs> we look, uh, we, I, think, I think we're going to have one more, right, Aaron, before we get to the Christmas break, one more before the end of the year? Yeah, I'm trying to trying to get some celebrities on. Uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, right. Something well, I, something about Christmas in New York. I, th- oh, I think someone. Christmas, yeah, that that sounds that. Let's get some celebrities on. So thanks for everyone that's listening and uh, check out, and we'll be back with you in a couple of weeks. Dan Power was unable to join us this week, but he did sit down with James Walker of Atlanta MLR. Now, many of you listening may know James Walker as the mastermind behind Tiger Rugby, but that is just a small piece of the puzzle that makes James Walker, and I'm very honored to have him with us on the show here today. James, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Now, James, I'm sure most rugby people who are listening to the show are familiar what you've done with Tiger Rugby, in particular in the Sevens game. But how about you give us a little bit of background about your trip from South Africa, where you grew up, here to the US, and how we got to where we are now with the new expansion team in Atlanta in Major League Rugby? <laughs> I don't think you want to hear that whole story. It's a, it's a very, very long story. But um, the short version is, is that I, I moved to... Um, Los Angeles after getting out of university here in Atlanta. I was actually living here for 10 years uh, where I met my wife. Uh, moved to LA and I spent the last 20 years in LA. Um, and then after getting injured playing rugby, uh, I kind of fell into coaching and it was something that I loved doing. Um, had a lot of success there. Um, you know, locally with, uh, first of all, Oxy Old Boys, shout out to those guys. And then with Belmont Shore and uh, Tiger kind of sprung from that. Um, as a concept to to get American players real competition um, around the world, uh, we you know we'd won some national championships at the club level, and no offense to the club teams, but we kind of I think we're a little bit ahead of the time as far as preparation and structures, and uh, we did really really well at the club level, and and I kind of felt like the boys were getting a little ahead of ahead of themselves, so we thought we'd uh, give them a bit of an attitude adjustment by going overseas. Um, and as it turned out, we actually did pretty well. And uh, that touring team turned into a business a couple of years later when I teamed up with my current partner, uh, Paul Holmes. So uh, that's the short version of it. A um, couple of years ago, uh, my wife got pregnant and we had a baby and we decided to move back east uh, where she's from, which is Atlanta. And uh, literally within the first week year, I got a call from a group of guys from the Atlanta Renegades who were exploring the idea of bringing an MLR team to Atlanta. And uh, that was about 18 months ago. And since then, we've been having regular meetings. Um, and that has turned into this, which is being accepted into the league and, you know, about a year away from, from putting a team on the pitch. So uh, that is where we are currently. Hopefully that isn't too, 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 too yeah. quick of an intro, but that's the, that's the gist of it. 
that's the quickest I've ever heard you go over a subject involving rugby. So I'm very, very proud of you, James. But let's just talk about that phone call that you got. Mm-hmm. Give me a little bit of an insight to what your initial thoughts were, because you've been involved in some high-level rugby, in particular developing rugby players. You know, you've, we've, we'll talk a little bit later about some of your success stories. But tell us a little bit yet your thought process when you got that phone call. Well, the one thing that struck me at the time was that the I wasn't sure how realistic uh, a lot of these teams were about the amount of funding that it would take to pull off a, a truly professional league in the United States. Um, and I think some of them are finding that out right now. Uh, the group that I'm with is a great group of guys, uh, but I can tell you that I, I think they, they would admit themselves that they weren't quite being realistic about the kind of money that it would take. Um, so I threw some really big numbers at them, uh, almost in a way, you know, to kind of scare them into, into, into um, some sense. And uh, they didn't flinch to their credit. So we really set about putting down on paper what we thought, uh, Paul and I worked really hard at this, what we thought it would take to truly pull this off in such a way that we could, we could put a, a fully professional outfit on the pitch. Um, you know, something that would, would rival what's, what's ha- happening, say, in the UK. Um, now, obviously, we don't have a $6 million a year budget, but we're looking at putting, you know, five, six, seven, eight thousand people in the stadium in year one, which is our goal uh, to make this thing uh, viable and profitable. So those numbers have, have become pretty large, um, at least compared to anything else that's happened in the States before. So, uh, yeah, at first I was kind of daunted by the, the prospect, but after meeting more and more people here in, the, in Atlanta and seeing how passionate they are about it, and also seeing how, how, how willing they are to, to try to get the funds to make this thing a reality, um, it became kind of a no-brainer. So here we are. We've, you know, we've pretty much done a soft internal launch. We haven't really launched publicly yet. We're still working on our branding and logos and all that kind of stuff. But I can tell you there's a very, very strong team behind the scenes. Um, there's fantastic funding behind the scenes. And there's plenty of further opportunities lining up for us right now as far as partnerships go. Well, that sounds uh, very exciting. I'm really looking forward to Atlanta getting into the MLR in 2020. But let's talk some challenges that you guys are going to face. Seven teams will already have two years of runway behind them with New York and obviously Toronto in year two. Mm-hmm. Player depth and development. How mm-hmm. is Atlanta going to approach this given the fact that there will be nine teams that have a head start on signing and recruiting players? Yeah, listen, I think, you know, uh, we, we're lucky in the sense that we, we actually have, you know, a fantastic uh, rugby university here in life. Uh, not only the, the undergrad program, but also the graduate uh, program. Uh, we've got a, a couple of relatively competitive teams down here. They play D2, but they really should be playing D1, which is, a, which is actually one of the arguments that we're going to be making to all these teams down here in the southeast. Um, I'm sure we'll be able to scrounge a few players from around the southeast. I think there's more than a few players that are actually capable of playing at that level, but perhaps haven't been, you know, physically prepared to play at that kind of level. So that is part of our, our project for the next year: is getting a high performance group together, um, where the players can come and train and see what the real expectations are to play at that level. I think you're seeing it already in the first year of the MLR is that there's a lot of guys breaking down, and that's purely because they've never had to play games of that stature week in and week out um this year will be even tougher right because you've got you've got you've got so many more games that the boys are going to be asked to play so um it will be tough i mean i know that there's you know there's 10 foreigners available 
Um, and then you still got green card players on top of that and yada, yada, yada. But let's not forget that there's also a bunch of, of, of new athletes graduating out of universities and colleges every year too. So I, I, I do think, you know, of course, we'll be a little bit on the back foot as far as playing catch up on the pitch. But, uh, but we do feel like we can, uh, we can go young um, is our strategy. And, uh, you know, with a few old heads thrown in, to the mix, we feel like we can be relatively competitive almost straight out of the box. I, I, I don't, I don't really subscribe clearly to the model that that the the depth or the pool of players is that diluted. I mean, I think it, it's diluted to begin with. I don't think a little bit more dilution is actually going to make that much difference. I think the players are actually going to step up. I think that's one of the things that you've done fantastically over the years is not only development of players but identification of players that other people and other systems may have overlooked. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of teams are working through this combine uh, theory that is very big over in the sporting landscape here in the US. Have you got any updates on a potential combine down in Atlanta? Yes. I mean, you know, the, the previous rendition of a professional rugby league here in the United States, we all like to bash, but you got you got to give those guys credit to the sense that they actually – did put something on the pitch. It was pretty decent level of rugby. We were actually the the group that ran their combines for them, so we got quite a bit of experience doing this. And to your point, um, I do believe in the crossover athlete. Now, I've actually got to give a lot of credit to an old pal of mine, uh, El Caravelli, who I tell you what, he believed in it way before I did. Um, and you know, the crossover athlete is where we get guys like Perry Baker from. So, um, a lot, lots of credit to El, El, El Caravelli and, and his belief in you know, what, what he thought has actually come, you know, come real. Um, as far as us here in Atlanta, we're actually, Tiger is actually going to be running the combines in partnership with Atlanta MLR. We'll be running it for Atlanta MLR, so to speak. Um, the first combine will be in the IMG Academy uh, in Bradenton, Florida. IMG is a partner of Tigers. So we just th- felt like it would be a, an appropriate place to do it. And because we're doing it there, we will be getting probably quite a few crossover athletes uh, from other sports coming in and trying their hand. Um, if we see something we like, uh, we clearly we've got about a year to get, to get that player ready for MLR or worst case scenario, have them play a year or two in club and then come into the MLR system after that. Now you touched on life university before mm-hmm. outside of life. Atlanta hasn't really been known as a, a rugby hotbed throughout the years. You almost have a blank canvas down there, James. What, what excites you about that opportunity to, basically paint the rugby landscape in Atlanta? Well, I, I look at it more than just Atlanta. I look at it across the entire Southeast. Um, obviously, we know from other sports, you know, predominantly it's a football area. The, the athletic talent down here is, is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And, you know, when we moved first across uh, the country a couple of years ago, uh, we actually spent the better part of a year in North Carolina so I've got some really, really good uh, connections up there. And, and we intend to really do our best to activate the entire South when it comes to rugby. Um, so, you know, obviously the rugby density down here is a lot lower than the density in, say, Northern California or, you know, New York-Boston corridor. Um, so we, we're going to have to be a bit more diligent about finding the talent. Um, but I think that's where we're going to, you know, we're going to really be focusing on, on doing multiple combines, setting up uh, touring teams down here. We're going to help with the, the South Panthers, um, trying to get them to be more and more competitive. 
um, and just go out and really reach out into the community. Charlotte's got a fantastic uh, youth rugby program. A guy down there by the name of Eric Saxon's done a f- just an incredible job. He's got a couple thousand kids uh, that, that, that he's got going down there in, uh, in Charlotte. Atlanta youth rugby is absolutely blowing up right now. So I, I just think it's, yeah, it's a little bit more difficult, but so what? You know, that's part of the fun. And that's the challenge. The South Panthers. I really like that name. That's something yeah. you should look into. It was named, it was named after you. Panther. Here we go. The Panther yeah. on the prowl. All yeah. right. We're going to throw you in the hot seat now, uh, Mr. Walker. You're going to put your general manager hat on. Uh, uh-huh. Dean, Dean Howes, Nick Benson, the, the, you know, the executives at Major League Rugby have said to you as part of the expansion, you can sign any player in Major League Rugby currently from any other side. Who are you going after? Wow. I can take any player I want. Any player you want. Hmm, that's a toughie. Um, there's quite a few guys that I like. Um, one in particular, well, it's got to be from somebody on, on a current team, correct? Yeah, sure. Not just, not just an American player. Give me one of each. Okay. So I'm giving you two current, players now. I'm really helping you here. On a, on a current team, a guy that I actually really like is Hanko. Hanko says. Yeah. I think he's, uh, I think he's actually... Still got tremendous upside. Um, and then obviously a guy that I love, he's been part, you know, I've known him since, since our youth program at Belmont Shaw is uh, Joe Tofate. So maybe I can talk Joe into coming back and spending a couple of years with us in Atlanta. James about Walker the back signing two forwards. Wow. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> well, you're not going to win anything unless you win the forwards game, right? There so, you go. Uh, yeah. so, so there you go. Just ask Australia, right? Oh, well, you know, I've, uh, I've renounced that. I've renounced that. I'm American now. We went, uh, we went uh, nine and one, you know, 10 and 10 and two, sorry for the year when you add it all up. But uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about Tiger rugby because it's hard to really step over that, even though in 2020 Atlanta will form its own entity separate from Tiger. Yep. You've had such a great time with them. It's such a, you know, the tours that you've had over the years, who are the special players that have stood out for you? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, obviously, you've got a guy like Perry. You can't overlook that, right? I mean, he's been fantastic. Uh, there's a guy that I used to love. The, the, hardest, the hardest man that ever, that's ever played for us has been uh, Corey Blair. I don't know if you remember him. As a, he's one of your uh, Aussie boys. Um, he's back, actually, in Australia right now. Uh, Thread and Palomo. Um, geez, it would be unfair. Don Putty. Again, one of my favorites. I remember taking him on. He's, he played on a Tiger Tour down in uh, Argentina. And uh, he actually played his first game of sevens. And it was against the uh, Argentinian national team. And the guy stood out as a, as a player. Um, he's one that I still think yeah, I'm just crazy about as a, as a player. Yeah, doing a great player. thing at the Warriors too now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, obviously later, lately, uh, a guy like Cornell Hendricks, um, he's a, just a brilliant guy. We're doing, you know, we have more and more international players that are, are doing things with us now. Cornell was um, a Springboks 15s and 7s player, predominantly 15s. Um, and he got, he got a, diagnosed with a, a heart condition and basically cut off from playing all rugby for the last three years. Uh, we got him cleared, medically cleared, and he played a few tournaments for us. Brilliant guy, and he's just signed with the Blue Bulls. So I say watch, I say watch out because I, I think he's 30 years old, but I can tell you, Dan, what a player. Um, I would not be surprised if he's knocking on the door uh, of the World Cup by the end of the Super Rugby season. Wow. Wow, yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
James, let's go one more. Okay. One one more player? Well, no, no, no. You, you named a few there. Some great <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Threaten yeah. might be a free agent too. That uh, might be a bad threaten, one to get your hands on. Threaten, yep. And we've got lots of McDonald's in Atlanta. You'll be happy to hear that. I think he may. Yeah, I think he may convert down south. I think he might try some different delicacies. Yeah, he might try the the Waffle House or, or you know something like that. So yeah, many a time the old cheeseburger wrappers is frantically <laughs> tucked under the bed on tour. <laughs> Absolutely. What what is Atlanta going to do to establish itself in that city and become part of the sports landscape down there? How are you going to set yourself apart from you know the Braves, your Falcons? Uh, do they still have a basketball team down there? The Hawks are they still there? They're yeah, still, yeah, they're, they're still yeah. No one, no one really follows, No one really follows them for what I understand. But no, no. We listen. We've we've had a little bit of experience up in uh, Columbus, Paul and I. Um, you know, we're working with uh, Schoeniger's team up there for that one season. Um, and you know, we really got out in the community and did a bunch of community activation, and and it really paid off. I mean, I think we had the biggest crowds of that defunct league. Um, you know, a couple times over 3,000 people. Uh, in Atlanta, we t- intend to do the same thing um, to, a, to a much bigger degree because we're going to have much more uh, lead-up time. Um, I'll be bringing in quite a few of the, the guys that play for Tiger to come in as ambassadors uh, to activate in the city. We'll have obviously a number of Olympians in that group. Um, and we've got a huge marketing budget. I can safely say we will have by far the biggest marketing budget in the MLR. Um, we just believe that it's you know, to make money, you've got to spend money. Um, we've got a fantastic marketing agency behind us who we are busy finalizing a deal with currently and we'll be making that known very soon. Uh, but we are spending a lot of activation dollars. So uh, we do feel like we'll, we'll become a cornerstone of the community down here. Um, we also feel like, you know, the if you look at Atlanta, it's very much a football town. Um, baseball, people kind of blow hot and cold over here, to be honest. But football ends, you know, depending on what happens this weekend between Alabama and Georgia, football usually ends, you know, at the end of the year or at the latest end of January. And that's when MLR kicks off. So we feel like it actually works perfectly for us. There's a lot of football fans here that don't necessarily want to go into hibernation for six months, you know, before the following September. So we, we feel like we can get a, a good, a good foothold with some of those fans. And all it would take is a small fraction of those fans and just would be We'd be selling out. So that's that's the goal. You've kind of piqued my interest on one more thing, James. Do you mind? Sure. Yeah, no, go. You talked about selling out. and Have you got a location to play yet? And have you got anyone under contract in terms of your front office or coaching staff that you okay, can reveal so exclusively here tonight? I can, I can reveal that we are negotiating with a stadium. Um, we are looking at multiple options. We actually had another stadium pop up on the radar about two weeks ago. Um, and we're busy just looking at the details of that one, uh, but but pleasantly surprised by the options that we have over here. So we have not nailed down which one we're going to go to, um, but I think we're very close. Um, as far as the coaches go, our head coach um, has agreed to uh, to, to to terms, um, and we're hoping to get that contract uh, dealt with this coming Friday. Uh, so I'd rather not mention who that is at this point, but I can say that we have signed a contract with the backs coach and the backs coach is going to be none other than sneaky Malifa, Nese Malifa. Oh, so, you're talking two-time World Cup USA Eagle, Nese Malifa? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a former Tiger rugby player. I'll have of you. Of course. 
<laughs> so yeah, he'll be our backs coach. Great guy, fantastic coach. For those guys that had an opportunity to um, to be coached by him, he's really, really a fantastic young up and coming coach. Um, and I think he's going to be a tremendous head coach in the future. And we'll be we'll be working with him uh, to that end, hoping that sometime in the future he'll take over as the head coach too. So. Well, James, we are very excited to see what you get done down there in Atlanta. I personally was ecstatic when I saw your name come across as the general manager for the Atlanta side. I could not think of a better person to take the reins down there in Atlanta. And 2020 cannot come soon enough, my friend. Well, thank you very much, Dan. And and just would like to say to the players out there, um, you know, again, we are running that combine. Uh, for those that don't know IMG, it's just an incredible space. It's probably the best, the number one academy location on the planet it's 500 acres of just uh high performance heaven um so be there on january 12th and 13th you can go to tigerrugby.com and and there'll be a link there to register if, if uh, athletes are interested and to make sure that they understand it's for men and women we are looking for female athletes that we can take and put in the pool for the next olympics so um so check us out yeah beautiful stuff great facility been down there to braden and absolutely gorgeous from IMG. January 12th and 13th. There you heard it. Tiger Rugby. Uh, the young kids, you want to get on the socials there, James. So Facebook, Instagram, all those ones they're on now. So Tiger Rugby has a presence on there. So get online, check it out, get yourself registered and uh, maybe get a crack at playing for the first ever professional rugby side down in Atlanta under the great James